birds are such jerks that won't share. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. Since getting a vaccine, the CIA hasn't contacted me even once in an attempt to recruit me for my clear spy prowess. You are indeed every man. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be talking with Eli Daniel, head of engineering at Jellyfish. Thanks for joining us today, Eli. Yeah, welcome. Hi, and Kendall. Very, very happy to be here. Yay, Glad woo-hoo. to have you here. So, so yeah, let's let's dive in, Eli. Tell us about uh, your background, your path to leadership, management, where you are today. How did you get to be uh, head of engineering at Jellyfish? Yeah, so my my first entree into managing people was kind of in the first dot com boom era. I was I was at a tiny little startup, um, as you know, as one did at that time, um, aptly named Kapoof. Uh, that is, that is <laughs> oh my fact, gosh, in fact, what happened to that is that that's is rough. <laughs> um, yeah. No, we ch- we did change the name before it actually went kapoof, but but anyway, um, <laughs> to disappearing act. Tell me you changed the name from kapoof to disappearing act. Yeah. No, go ahead. All right. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, at, somewhere somewhere along the way at at that company, I was asked to you know lead the team doing a thing, and you should hire some somebody. And just I'm like, wow, okay. I you know young me hadn't didn't really know what was involved in that, but like thought that sounded like a cool idea. So. Um, so I just jumped in and I, you know, boldly went and I interviewed somebody and I and I hired him and he kind of like didn't come to work or he would come, but <laughs> sometimes not come or, you know, roll in at 3 p.m. or mm, whatever. Classic. And so my yeah. And so then had to like first, you know, talk to him about this and ultimately, ultimately this proceeded to like, well, there's a medical problem and actually I'm on some meds that make it really hard to wake up in the morning. So I'm like, OK, well. You know, what time can you come? Anyway, all this thing boiled into like, you know, it all just went very sideways. I had to fire the guy dealing with like the issues of like, oh my God, but maybe this is a disability. You know, like how do I navigate this whole thing? It was horrible. It was, it was not mm-hmm. a good, it was not a good experience and had the, uh, had the side effect of convincing me that, you know, people management just was a drag and (laughs) never again like never again so that that then led to like another you know 10 plus years of just like i was fully on the you know like coding i like building stuff technical leadership sure i'll help you design the thing but like people people um (laughs) yeah yeah so that um sometime you know a while way down the road several jobs later um I actually remember having a conversation with my boss at the time who you know in a regular one-on-one sat down was like so you know tell me about career paths and would, would you ever be interested in managing and I, was like, I don't you know I had this bad experience I don't really think so she's like okay okay um and then one week later she's like well guess what the manager on the team is leaving and uh I would really like it if you would <laughs> step in and, and take the I wasn't oh, asking in a theoretical I was <laughs> right. asking because no seriously it needs to be you or I'm screwed right yeah basically so I was like well okay I guess I'm I guess I'm doing this and I shared some of my concerns but was you know reassured that like so it'd be a safe place to do it and there'd be, I'm not making a permanent choice paths back into more technical hands-on, you know, coding kinds of roles if I wanted them, et cetera. And, um, that time it was great. Like I, I took the thing over and just found that I really, really enjoyed the, um, people side of things. And I, I, th- I think I, I mean, it took a little while, I think as it does for most people to adapt to, 
um, thinking of my own success and measuring my impact and what I'm doing, not through what is the hands-on thing that I'm building or what am I producing as an individual, but like, sure, what are we doing mm-hmm. and what's the team and teaching myself to kind of feel okay taking credit for like, yeah, it's great that we did this whole thing. Like, look how much more we, these 10 people can do together than like I could do individually. That's <laughs> exciting. Um, so uh, the, the super move then is to start, you know, taking credit for and feeling really good about things other departments are doing that you have not. Exactly. To do with, yeah, right. Exactly. So once I got over to... that hump, it was just, you know, then it's, it's been yeah. kind of addictive and has stuck with me, I guess. Did you, I mean, so, initially it sounded like you didn't have a lot of support in that first situation. You were no, trying to be didn't. accommodating for this person. Startup. It was a tiny little startup. I, um, you know, my boss at the time was not. I don't know, hands-on or mm-hmm. helpful. And like, also right. had he, no he was just kind of like, <laughs> he did actually, he was a pretty experienced, you know, guy, but I think he was busy with lots of things, probably including the impending demise of the company. If, if, you know, mm. <laughs> things didn't go. Bigger capals right. were about to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, no. So he kind of was just like, I don't know, just do this. I got, I got very little, very little sort of. And then, in this next place after several years of staying out yeah. of it, did you get some training? Did you get some, uh, some more direct like coaching on how to lead people? Did I did, you at any point I did get to some, that? I did some, um, it was a big enough place at that point that, you know, there were, you know, I did go to like official manager training and mm-hmm. instruction yeah, yeah. on how to do different things and stuff. Also though, I think at that point I had just been through enough, um, you know, enough different teams. I It helped the team I was taking over as a, as a manager at that point is when I'd been working really closely as kind of an architect for, you know, a, a good while. So I was close to all the people on it. It was uh, not, you know, it was but you not, were not it was their kind peers because kind of that's a weird situation too. When you're like, you've been a peer of these other people and yeah. so you're promoted to be their manager right. and maybe no, that well, doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I was sort of a, like, I was a, a peer in some HR sense that I formally you know, we reported you're know, on the, the same, same level, yeah. And now on the same level or something, but I had been drive. You know, I had been already doing a lot of one-on-ones with people and helping guide people on stuff and figure out how are we going to build the thing. And like I'd been in that kind of role already, so like convincing people one. and yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah you, okay. you had learned how to lead by influence that's already, right. and so that's you had the influence on the team. Part, that's actually. Right. Yeah, I mean, lots of people who get promoted into management positions never learn. They're just like, well, I tell them what to do and they do it because I'm their boss. And if Absolutely you were right. in a position of, you know, influential leadership, that was probably a substantial part of why it worked the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I've, that, I've I think always found exactly. that to be harder to just not have any technical authority over the people and then try to convince them to do what you need them to do. A lot of the kind of work that I do relies on the kindness of strangers, aka people from other departments, to get stuff done. So yeah, that takes a lot more thinking about it, persuasiveness, and so on. It does. And so for me, having that relationship with people where, you know, they weren't, well, I wasn't relying on the kindness of strangers. This was people who I had already been working with. Well, I kind of use that as a, yeah. (laughs) No, I I know, I know, I know. Well, Eli, like, so, so talk about how you went from that to, I mean, you've had many senior leadership roles. How did you get from have, manager right. to senior leader? And then right. I want to hear about some of those stops along the way with the senior leadership roles. But first, yeah. how did you make it from manager up to the, towards the top? So after, after, you know, a few years at, 
um, there was a company called Endeka. A few years there, we were ultimately bought by Oracle. Um, oh, was, uh, which is which is a story. Which is another way of saying kapoof. Something everybody yeah, 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 wants. Right. Yeah, to be bought by well, Oracle. It was interesting because it was simultaneously like it was a good outcome. We were bought for a billion dollars by this note. You know, it's like what you want in your it counts as a success from the startup. On the other hand, you know. Working for Oracle as a, as a tech person is not necessarily. I mean, there are yeah. parts of Oracle that are probably doing very interesting, innovative things. I don't want yeah, to the legal team. Much, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one. Yikes. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, though, so I stayed around there for you know a year or so post acquisition. I wanted to to you know, okay, what does this look like? Let me learn how this is done. And then ultimately, I was just itching to like. I got to get back to something smaller. I'm, I've spent most of my career in startups um, and small mm -hmm. companies are kind of where it's at, small groups for me. So somewhere along the way, I, I made the move to actually lead the engineering team at a much smaller place then. Um, and um, yeah, so I came in leading, you know, as director of development, I think was my official title. Um, mm -hmm. So wait, and, so you leave, you leave Oracle and you go to this smaller place and come in as director of development? That's that right, was, I did. That, that yeah. leap. So, so you, you took the senior leadership role because well, was, it was, that was like a medium, like it wasn't that senior, okay. I, I guess to be clear. So I was leading you software development. Yeah. I was not a member of the, you know, exact company team. exec team. Gotcha. Um, and, right. you know, so that was, it was a good foray for me. And that was my first time managing managers. It was yeah. a good foray. And so it was my different. first SaaS platform where we were running a thing. So, you know, the, the operational side of how do we actually support this thing and the, you know, uptime and SLAs and people need to be on call for all this stuff. It, like it was my first rodeo with all those things. So, um, yeah, engineers never want to do that stuff. <laughs> be on call. Well, yeah. I mean, nobody wants to be on call, of course, but, um, but I think in many ways it's at least for me and I have always found it really rewarding to, to like see my stuff in action and run the thing as opposed to like, I don't know, I built some software. I mean, like previous mm -hmm. life was you ship this on a CD to somebody or whatever. And mm -hmm. I don't know what they're doing with it. Like, does anyone ever use it? Do they even okay. install the thing? Like, who knows? Maybe we get a bug report. Um, so to actually, yeah, right. To actually be plugged into like, no, we're running it and seeing how people are using it is, I, you know, I think really really, really rewarding. But you're absolutely right that it does put, put you on the hook for a certain amount of is the thing working or getting paged if it's not or whatever else, which is that part is not, not always mm -hmm. the most fun. So you're, you know, you've gone all the way to <clears throat> being the, the leader of right. the entire engineering so organization. There, we then got bought by Spotify. Um, and so now I went from that to like, I'm weirdo middle manager inside, inside Spotify. Um, that again, I lasted there post acquisition about a year. Um, before mm -hmm. it just, my position got weird. It was not, you know, Sp Spotify is very famous for their whole, you know, tribes and squads yeah. and guilds and all that stuff. And I was yeah. in like, there wasn't, what I was was not one of the things in that. Um, oh, they didn't like convert but, you in some but, way. To yeah, no, I was, like, I was like in this slightly strange role, um, which huh. got kind of uncomfortable. It wasn't totally clear how I fit it. I mean, I didn't fit in, is the real, <laughs> is the real truth of it. Um, hmm. So <laughs> ultimately I, uh, I, I moved down from there um, but, and, and it was very eager to like, go back to tiny company stuff, like out of the realm of, you know, oh my gosh, there's, you know, thousands of people and dysfunction about people in different time zones and who does what and blah, 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 blah. I was like fully ready for like, do it. So I joined again to lead the engineering team at an itty bitty, um, small <laughs> startup. 
Mm -hmm. um, serial startup person I yeah see. no this is this is my life this was bridge it was a transportation thing um kind of tech enabled buses in the right places the right time mass transit you know on demand stuff um and so i joined again there as head of engineering after a year or so in i i got promoted to cto um and yeah. so yeah that, that was my first real entree into like you know, exactly. executive layer. So, yeah. Well, so talk about that for a second. What was, yeah, what how was, was that different, different about it all the way at the top than yeah. uh, before? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I mean, obviously a, a, a few things <laughs> kind of goes without saying the interesting thing about, a, about executive leadership at a small company like that is that it's not a, um, you know, it's still like the whole company was 20 people or something. I had a team of 11 or something like that. Um, and so, wasn't that I had this enormous organization and, and complicated complexity. Like I, in that role was still very close to like, what is the code that we're writing? What's the product that we're building? How are we doing it kinds of stuff? But it just right. also meant that it came with, um, a level of involvement in the overall strategy of why are we doing it? How are we doing it? What bets are we making? Um, you know, and that, that was a company where, you know, as a startup often is funding is perpetually an issue and thinking about the, how are we going to, you know, how do we actually make the business work and what are our costs? Mm -hmm. How do we run this thing in a way that's going to, you know, be successful? Not just process. like build this thing. Okay. Yeah, I build, this thing. build this thing. You're more in the direction of what should we be building? How, how do I integrate with the how rest of the company? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. right. And how, okay. how does the organization work? What kind of people do we need? How do we, what is our strategy for, you know, did you find that you prefer that kind of thing to the more hands-on stuff or I, I actually like you both. learn there? Yeah, yeah, I really like both. And so this is this is why um you know I'm 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 happy as a clam in my in my current role, which we can we'll mm -hmm. get to talk about. But um, you know, being able to straddle that line of the kind of more company level strategy and what are we doing and why are we doing it and how are we investing and you know, what are we trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, exercise is a part of my brain that I really like, but I, I also enjoy the actual building stuff and the, you know, team building software, building teams to build software, making the software building machine run is all stuff. So I'm not, you know, I, I haven't ever been in the seat where I'm running a big org of hundreds of people or something, but I don't know that that. You know, like, are, are you are well, you ready if, for that? Do you want to do right. that? Yeah, if this, if this keeps going, you'll 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 get there. But I want I want to back up for a second. You're talking about it's not just the technical decisions; it's also the who we hire and the how we hire and what's going to make the business go. I mean, isn't that all? Like, I just want to challenge: if you land on a you know using Rust as your primary language of choice, don't all those problems go away? Because then you the the right people come to work for you, the right business problems <laughs> are all solved. I mean, right? Isn't it that simple? <laughs> I thought Sorry. that was all just know. using maybe Kubernetes. I, yeah, maybe I need to go work with you, Kendall, and you'll you'll. I'm just, I'm just make all of your problems go technical away. answers that, that make it all easier. <laughs> so, but. Replace them with new we and do, different we problems. We do zero rust here. Uh, anyways, well, okay, so so you bridge, and then there's been a couple since then, and then you also got to talk about what you're doing now and what's yeah. different about that. So post bridge, bridge as again, you know, this is startup stories. I've been been through a couple of good acquisitions and things. A couple bridge was one that, that totally cratered, unfortunately. Um, and so mm -hmm. that, that also was my first, I'd, I'd been through other startups that shut down, but this was my first like being in the seat. I had to call the company meeting where I told everybody that we were closing and Yikes. It was like, ugh. 
that was not great. Um, well, and but, you stuck around to make sure that the assets got handled, which I had did. to also be interesting. I did. So that was another part of it too, is that, you know, the company shut down. I was, you know, there was no payroll. I wasn't an employee anymore, but, um, but we did ultimately sell the assets off to, and, and actually weirdly like bridge.com still exists. The service runs, it's still using the same, even logo huh. and stuff. Um, but it, we, it was, we sold to a bus operator in Australia who's just much, much running this thing as a venture backed startup where you're like unit economics and needing to make money on everything is, is tough. Mm -hmm. You're a big bus operator. I think it, yeah. it works. I mean, out. I have, I have feelings about like running public infrastructure as a business in general, but it, you know, I, I get that the idea was a really, you know, the idea was to fill this gap that was not being yeah. filled. I mean, there's a whole, uh, we should nerd out about that at some point. I do think, I do think it's a whole topic and, and you're right that like the complexity of trying to run it to be profitable or how is mm -hmm. subsidizing it or working with city, like it's nuanced and it's complicated. Anyway, suffice it to just say that like the venture model for these things was not, yeah, didn't seem right like model. it was a great fit for that kind of business. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so we did. I did all. Had you used Rust? For, it I'm sorry. Oh. Keep going. God damn it, Kendall! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't make that joke any more Never than three again. more times in the rest of this <laughs> podcast. Sorry. Keep going. Eli. Um, so yeah, I, I wound up sticking around for six months or so after like helping to get the get the tax sold off um, to this thing and and then get it stood up for them like running and it was even stuff like getting the the actual production stuff now running out of out of Australia, you know, data center instead of where we had been doing it. it just um, felt morally obligated. You weren't getting paid at this point, right? I wasn't getting paid. I did ultimately at the very end when the thing closed, I got a small percentage of the transaction fee of their buying them stuff, which did it wound up like basically, you know, covering your my hours. salary for that for the yeah. hours. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't, you know, and it certainly didn't get rich off it by any stretch, but it was a, um, it, it, you know, <laughs> It, it made yeah. it worth it to stick around and see the see the thing happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you, you, you were good to the people who took it over, like right. you know, making sure they could handle everything. Right. So um, now your hands are clean. You've washed your hands of bridge. Yeah. About what happened? <laughs> so I joined at that point. I was looking around for what's next, and I came across another little startup um, in the marketing tech space, hiring, looking for a CTO, um, and I didn't know anything about this space. And I was pretty clear that I don't quite understand this product. It was a thing for digital marketers to help. I think of it as like automated user research, A-B testing for web design was the premise. That you can like Sounds put a useful. design of a website in front of this thing and it could tell you who's going to like it and how well is it going to work and how many people are going to convert. And if you had this other design instead, would that be better? So from a technical standpoint, I was like, wow, that sounds really interesting technology. And you know, mm -hmm. I used worked on some stuff kind of related to music recommendations, understanding music at the back at the back uh -huh. Spotify. Um, and so in some ways that was a like understand the image of this thing and who's going to like it. Like there's some familiar angles there. So technically I thought this was really cool. Um, and I signed on. And, <laughs> technically. Yeah. And, and the, but what I learned in this is that like, I was not really super interested in the business. I did not wake mm -hmm. up excited about helping digital marketers design websites where people are going to sticky websites more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you. So I, I was just not, <laughs> I was just not particularly that into it on, on that side of it. Um, and then also it turns out that was at the time, like not a great space to be in. We, we had a lot of trouble raising kind of institutional mm. level funding to make the thing go. And, you know, I had wanted to come on with the idea of we're going to build a big fancy tech problem to solve this big complicated problem, build a whole platform, big team, do all this stuff. And it, it was seeming like it was more going to be a very services heavy consulting e-business trying to run lean and keep the lights on and fund themselves mm. on 
you know, consulting like no projects fun. to do this thing, which was not exciting to me. So anyway, when do you think, do you think you were so, like, you're not saying that these people were bad or anything, but like when you applied for this job, when you were interviewing with the, with the team, do you feel like that you were misled about what was no, what the not, status of things were? No, not, not definitely not in like a malicious, you know, somebody lying way. I think there or was like an th- aspirational, it was yeah. a little too aspirational. Okay. Yeah. 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 A little yeah, too yeah. much optimism maybe a little too much rose colored glasses of how it would go. Um, mm-hmm. And it is one has more. Has that I changed how you apply, like how you look for jobs now? It really has. Yeah. And, and again, I don't, I, I have no ill will at all to, I mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. still like all the people who I was involved with. And, you know, and so it's not, it's not like I, oh gosh, you know, have, have a problem with those people or how it was done. But I do think one thing that it's taught me is um, reminding me of the importance of caring about the thing that I'm doing and knowing about the thing I'm doing. So, mm. You know, when I'm talking about transportation tech, I, you know, we could spend an hour just talking about the yeah. other things that you brought up, Rachel. Um, or, you know, now, um, fast forward, I'm working on stuff related to measuring uh, software engineering. So understanding what is what makes an effective software engineering team and what do you measure and how do teams organize themselves and what do we look at? Like, it's another topic that's close to home for me about engineering effectiveness or, or music tech back in the day. I'm a, big music fan. I, you mm-hmm. know, building stuff to understand. So like, those are things that I care about and get excited about and want to do. I think as much as there are interesting technical problems in the, you know, computer yeah. vision and AI for understanding what's going on in the design of a website or something like that, just as a business, it was not a business that I cared about. And I it's think not the shit that gets you out of bed in the morning. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. Well, so you leave MarTech company, and yep. then is that is that when you landed yep. at Jellyfish? And that was when I landed at Jellyfish. Um, so I, you know, Jellyfish was founded by some some um, coworkers back in the day. I was actually one of the original founders of Indeca, where I worked, you know, a bunch of years ago, um, as well as a couple of other early Indeca employees or the the founders of of um, Jellyfish. So I had been, you know, staying in touch periodically with with these folks and. Um, you know, even at, when they were very early bouncing ideas around, even did some like brainstorming, chatting, you know, how would I find this thing useful as a potential customer of it kinds of discussions with them. Um, yeah. And then, you know, so I'd been close and was interested in what they were doing. And then it just the timing worked out that as I was kind of coming loose and seeming like the MarTech thing didn't didn't have a, a you know, the kind of future that I wanted there. Um in contrast, Jellyfish was coming up to seeming like, oh, they were like raising a Series A was coming into into focus there. Uh, so I actually had a job offer there like before, um, but it was just, it was like too early and I wasn't, you know, wasn't. You didn't want to Wait, take the you, chance. They you couldn't. were working they, at, a, at a place that was about to ra- raise Series A or? I'm sorry, no, 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 no sorry. When, when at the time that, um when Bridge racked up, I'd been talking to Jellyfish even then. Oh, but, I see. Okay. But it was just uh, like the timing didn't Wasn't work good. out of what, you know, what did I want to do and what were they doing? So anyway, but I'd been in touch. And um, at that point, they were getting a little more momentum, getting ready to seem like raising a Series A was in sight, having me come on as a leader to build out a team, seemed like it, you know, added up in a more sensible way. So I came on then. And then indeed, we raised an A a couple months later. Um, started building mm-hmm. the team. So I was, I came on I as that felt really good. kind of the eighth, eighth person, three founders, and then five others of us. Um, and we're now wow. like north of 90 and have been growing really fast. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a really, really fun ride. And, so well, what 
I want to I want to kind of like look back across your you know to now to the role you're in now. What's been the the I mean you had this bad experience having to manage this person out who wasn't showing up for work etc. Really early on, but what's yeah. been the hardest lesson you've had to learn to get to where you are? And you mentioned one thing which was it's very important to you personally in order for you to to continue working somewhere to feel like you're going to make progress is that it's about something you care about, not just the technology, but perhaps the actual business that it's in, the problem right. you're solving, the people you're solving it for. You have to be able to maybe relate to them on a more tangible level than, oh, people who are making sticky websites, whatever. Right, right. Um, but is there something else? Are there other things that you've learned that were difficult yeah. to learn that you felt like were really necessary before you could get to where you are. I think the biggest thing for me has been um, kind of building the, I don't know, empathy or openness to the bigger picture of what's going on. This kind of relates to the idea of assuming positive intent and stuff, but um, which about the whole topic there also. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, the we should have a separate talk of that, about of that word. Um, mm -hmm. let's stick a pin in that one anyway. Uh, but I think realizing that as a leader, you know, it's my job to like all, help all of us be doing a good thing. Not my job to like, you know, be defensive of, or make my little world successful. But so, you know, if, if you're saying something that's not making sense to me or doesn't, rather than being threatened or being, you know, protective or trying to, mm. you know shield my team people talk about being a shit umbrella for their team or stuff like that like rather than my, that mindset which is definitely where i started um getting to a place where it's like no we're all you know we're all human we're all in this thing together trying to do a thing together imperfectly and making mistakes along the way but like how do we all kind of collaborate to see the best picture and get us to the to the good thing that we want well yeah, and if shit's gonna fall on my head it should fall on my reports heads too <laughs> I mean, that's, that's totally what he means. Totally. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of. I mean, I wonder if you learned more about that when you were when you took on your first role that involved also running operations, running the service. Definitely. Uh, because that tends to make you realize how much more uh, collaboration you need, how much more understanding of how the system works overall there has to so be. That definitely did. Um, but even there, I would say there were things where, like, we had some. You know, we had a deal that we sold to some company that involved standing up like a whole separate instance of our stack and they had their <laughs> own production environment that was doing something kooky. That sounds with, hard. Like, <laughs> and I was just grumpy about that. Like, I didn't want to do that. It took a lot of support. But like, there are good business reasons why that made sense. I don't know that, you know, that was not, so learning to be, you know, how can I, instead of being the yeah, one open to be to like, that. no, yeah. we shouldn't be, you know, this is obviously dumb and bad. We shouldn't do this thing. How can we? you know, well, the solution of what we should be doing. So I, I want to I dig into that, though, one other way, Eli, like, there are a lot of people out there right now, maybe some who are listening to this podcast, maybe some who I specifically have in mind and wish they were listening to this podcast, who uh, are, Ooh. you know, like, <laughs> who, who live in that, uh, well, here's what I want to do. And you need to let me do what I want to do. And, mm. you know, I don't care about the business reason. I don't care about what's best for the business. Like, I'm you an entitled engineer. Yeah. <laughs> or, or engineering leader, as the case may be, like, and, and you've been in those shoes. And now as the business leader, like, like, what's what's the advice you give to that person? How is it that you saw things then? And how does it appear to you now as the business leader when somebody on your team is acting that way? Yeah. 
So for me, it is really all about um, un getting people to understand one is to like understand the overall context of what's going on in the picture to like open your open your you know field of view to to the broader considerations of you know not just your this goal is good your for team the and your yeah. thing but like what are we all trying to do and how does your thing fit into it but i'm only here 18 months and i'm planning on leaving for a 30 percent raise when i go and so i need to add oh. x y or z to my resume keeping yeah. it real well, that is so no, real no, no, though no. <laughs> it is it is it is real Part of it now is that, like, I try really hard to not hire people with that mindset. And I sure. try and be overt with people and explicit about it is that, like, no, no, we're doing a thing. Come here if you're excited about helping build this thing and being part of the thing and knowing how your thing fits in. Not come here to check a box and advance your career. But yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think part of it is that is like just getting people to see the broader context. Part of it is that people have to be have agency and be empowered. Like, that's you know, me in that other seat, part of it is like, I didn't feel like I could affect those things. Um, maybe I sure. really couldn't, but, um, you know, seeing the context is helpful if you can then feel like you can play a role in helping to understand how, how we get there. There's decisions being made in a top-down fashion and handed to you that, you know, you are going to do X now. Like, mm -hmm. it's easy to respond to that with like, okay, well, let me build the defense mechanisms that I need. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, exactly. I think that's actually really good advice there. Like, like, like I want to go to those people and just say, Hey man, get on board. Like this is, this is where the ship's going and you need to be here. But your, your point of like, Hey, this is where the ship's going and here's the role you play in it and why it matters. Can you go build the thing that's going to help us get there and making it, giving them freedom and responsibility within that is a is an important key and to maybe keep they them. build the boat ramp and then you leave them on the shore to continue the <laughs> metaphor but um yeah it is it is interesting that so many folks you do you see this problem a lot where the, the the folks in the on the engineering team are like i don't get it i don't understand why i'm being you know we we change direction and the key being that the leadership has to have spent some time the term is socializing the idea that maybe right. there's a market change. Maybe we're pivoting a little bit. Maybe, you know, we're bringing in and we're acquiring a company and that's affecting our strategy or any of those things. A lot of time leadership doesn't talk about those things because they don't think the engineers care that's about right. that stuff. Right. And it's, and it's delicate because people probably don't care on some level. They don't think they do. Yeah. They don't think they do. That's right. <clears throat> people will, if you ask, probably want be like, why are we having this meeting to talk about this? I have yeah, God, I could be coding. I could be eating um, snacks. <laughs> so, but I think educating people throughout, not just like, hey, here's the strategic shift. Let me tell you about it when you have no context to understand what mm -hmm. that even means. But from the outset, getting people engaged and thinking about why are we doing the things we're doing? And it, it, it mm -hmm. can be as micro from a software engineering standpoint to me as, as thinking about things like how you write you know, stories in JIRA to explain work. But but the more you can have a culture that's not a task doing based system where someone takes a ticket and says like, oh, I guess I'm making two eggs sunny side up. Like I know how to make eggs. Let me go do that. But more of a system Just where it's like, it there's some hungry people over there and they want, you know, some protein and mm -hmm. some stuff and get an engineer involved in thinking about like, oh, I'm real good at making sunny side up eggs. How about that? Um, yeah. I think that that, builds to where people then do have the context that that when you can be like well actually today you know yeah 
there's an army of people coming in and we don't know, you know, we don't have enough griddle space to make sunny side yeah. up eggs. Or they're people. vegans, like, you know. Or they're vegans, right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, uh, yeah, it, it is, I mean, to me, I'm reminded of also what you said a minute ago where you said, well, you can't just I mean, only tell people when there's a change in course or a strategy difference or something that they have to know about. It's kind of like, having regular one-on-ones with your employees. You have to have built this relationship with them where A, they know little bit by little bit what it is like to work with you and for you and to work with their team. Um, they understand you know, where they need to change their performance. It's, it's like that situation where you ended up having to fire the person should not come as a complete surprise to them or you. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And that is is a way, you know, to, to have this ongoing relationship, to build this relationship with them little at a time, keep them aware of the, this is something I hate about being in marketing. I always hate having to tell people I'm in marketing. Um, but that <laughs> it's about repeating yourself and right. that you have to continue to talk about the things that matter because it's not top of mind for someone who's just, you know, writing code necessarily. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that applies kind of at multiple levels of, you know, multiple fractal levels of uh, yeah. abstraction or something where certainly as as a leader of individual people on a team doing one-on-ones with them and helping them understand where they stand, like, I think that's pretty well-known dogma at this point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like, that's what you should be doing. But yeah, I think the same thing applies to, you know, broader and broader strategy and bringing people into it and, you know, understanding what's going on. Um, and actually, this all ties back into into jellyfish too which were sort of the whole premise of this company mm -hmm. in a way is helping engineering leaders execs be engaged to doing what matters for the business help you know understand what's working what's not working how the things that you're working on relate to what the business needs you to be doing and having frameworks for measuring all that so again without without like overly you know turning this into a sales pitch or something I, I think, <laughs> but it is I think interesting that, uh, <laughs> yeah it ties well, into a lot of these same ideas well, so um, I mean, there's 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 a whole lot here, Eli, and and honestly, like I I have seen you, I've known you since Bridge, uh, and I've seen yeah. you go through a lot of these transitions. Yeah, fun fact: I talked. Kendall was a salesperson who I was talking to about, you know, how we were how we were like running the operations at Bridge um, mm -hmm. for a minute. <laughs> you never actually did use your product, but. Anyway, not a very good. Sales not that I'm bitter about it. Uh, that's why it took us five years to invite yeah. you on the podcast. That's right. Uh, no, that's I'm right. Sorry. He's still um, mad. Still mad about it. Well, I mean, I've seen you be a leader through these different contexts, through the success, through the failure, through the you know the one in between that was more like a puttering along kind of thing, and um, and it's and it's fun to watch you lead in this bigger organization. Is first of all, is is Jellyfish the biggest organization outside of the Oracle and the spot like the places you were bought into that you're the head of engineering? It is, yeah, it is. And what's I mean. It, it's got to feel a little bit like a rocket ship given the speed at which y'all have grown the last year or two. But like, what's, do you, are you looking forward to 180 people? Do you think when it hits 150, yeah. you're like, fuck this, I'm out of here? Like, what's, no, what does no, it feel? I am, I'm, How big is No, it's a great big? question. Yeah, it's a great question because I started going like, oh, I love the small team where I can do strategy stuff, but also be involved in building the thing, et cetera. Um, and we're, you know, we're on the cusp. I'm doing like in the midst of operational planning and headcount budgeting stuff for next year and like the numbers of people that we're talking about the size of the company's getting to is just like <laughs> blowing my mind um good time you know yeah we definitely are on the 
you know, it, we've already grown really fast from 90 something people, you know, up from eight when I started. And it's just like that trajectory is not, you know, if anything is getting steeper. Um, so no, I think there is, it's a great question. It's like, <laughs> what is the ceiling on this? Or at what point does it stop yeah. being fun for me? Um, I don't think I know. You know, my 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 premise is that being in kind of a senior leadership seat is a lot more fun on this. I, I'm pretty pretty sure I don't want to be go back to being a middle manager at a big company again. I right. don't have a whole lot of interest. Um, what are you watching I, for? Like, do you check in with yourself every day and go, "Is this?" I mean, I've literally had that situation at a job where I'm like, "This feels like it really sucks." Is is there is the upside still above the downside? You know, I, I do that kind of ad- estimation yeah. a lot in 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 many areas of my life. Is that something that you that you have as a kind of an explicit exercise for yourself? It hasn't been explicit. I mean, partly I would say the macro feeling has just been positive and good. Like this, this, mm-hmm. this for me has been a unusual in my career mix of, you know, it's great, fantastic people. I really, really love the team, uh, both the kind of senior leadership team at the company and the engineering team that we've built is just a great group. So it's great people. It's a product that I'm really excited about. And the business is like going really well. We're business is growing right usually we've had one or the other funding market <laughs> is good we've not had any trouble raising money it's been like so it's like the combination of all those things at once is is kind of unprecedented for me honestly so the macro feeling of all that is is just like mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely up and down days and things that are hard at times and stuff but I, i've just been i've been very excited i think the time when i start you know knowing myself from past things where i start getting twitchy or ready for another thing is if i don't feel like i'm growing and learning or not you know, not able to have the impact or, you know, yeah. constrained by a bunch of nonsense that I don't have influence or control over. And like it is. Well, and finish that thought first before I say what I was going to say. Yeah, no, I was just, I was just going to say, like, I, I have a personality defect, maybe, which is that, like, I really or this gets back to the question you always ask about attitude towards um, authority, which we can, yeah, we can get to. But ask you that next. Um, but I have kind of a, a personality defect here where, like, I I do very poorly with things being imposed on me. I just, this is, you know, people to tell me to do something from the time I'm a little kid. Like, if you want me to do something, tell me why and help me understand why this is a useful thing. And I'm happy to cooperate and be on board. But if you just tell me to do it because you say so and you're the boss, like, I'm the boss of you. Yeah. I am, I, I just have a like extremely allergic reaction to that. Um, and so being in a company situation where, you know, some amount of that is unavoidable because, of course, you know, nobody is full, unconstrained influence over all the things and can always get read into all the whys and all, the, you know, that's not realistic. But the more there's, you know, the the weight changes to like, well, assume all this kind of nonsense structure of stuff that you don't control. And yes, I know it doesn't make any sense. And this seems deeply suboptimal, but like assume all that is a given and then micro optimize within it. That's very, very, very hard for me to to do and maintain mm-hmm. energy. So I want to care well, and, what I'm doing and I want to make it all better. And if it's, there's like a, you know, yeah, ceiling to that structure of bullshit, then like it's hard to do. So, well, and what's mm-hmm. interesting about this for you having been there from the beginning is there will be a superstructure of bullshit as yeah, the organization gets bigger, but it's going to be Eli's <laughs> bullshit. That's exactly right. It's going to look like, like <laughs> feel like it's going to all be Eli's fault. And, and, and so it's, it's different than having it imposed on you. Well, exactly so right. that's, that's what I wanted to ask about is, you know, you've talked a lot about the places you've been doing the things that you like doing and the product mattering to you, but like, 
I mean, had this MarTech thing in the middle blown up and you got to work on interesting tech and you got to go from, you know, 10 to 150 people, like it, it might have been a different experience It could because building the team and growing it and learning from those experiences is, is at least some of the fun. So I'm it just kind of curious, like right now, when you look at it, what, what's the thing you're most proud of? And is it Jellyfish, the product? Is it the teams? Is it the leaders you're building? Is it uh, that you get out of bed and you're like, I'm not an asshole uh, and people don't have to work <laughs> with an asshole? Or like, what's the thing that actually, you know, is, is the thing you're most proud of right now? Yeah, at, at Jellyfish, I would say, definitely say it's the team, both in the sense of, you know, the individual people. I think we've assembled a really, really good group, but also helping to kind of build the machine for, you know, working together and how we've done it and having like, can't tell you how many different versions of this thing we've had from, you know, eight people in a room brainstorming on stuff to where we are now. Um, so it's that kind of like the meta of the people in the process and how are we working together and evolving that as we go to, to, you know, build a thing that's able to, you know, solve the problems the business needs us to solve and then be helpful like that that to me is is what i'm most proud of okay that's that's good well and and you've answered our authority question for the most yeah. part i guess Thanks one one follow question yeah. <laughs> uh i mean one follow-up question to that i mean you mentioned you react to authority do you feel like as a result you're you're very hesitant to to uh impose upon others a this is what I'm Eli and you fucking do what I told you to do I, or I totally does exist at jellyfish. No, I, to I totally, I totally <laughs> am. I probably have, yeah. you know, if anything, my failure mode on that is being too, you know, attempting to be inclusive and give you and collaborative and give you context of something. Probably I'm too hesitant to just be like, no, 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 here's the thing we need to do. Um, it's, it, it absolutely is a thing. And it's, it's funny for me, like I'm very extreme on this dimension. And this is an area where I really struggle to, you know, relate well or adapt my style to other people who are differently. Like there are other people who really want that structure and want yeah. to be yeah. told mm -hmm. what to do. Yeah, we've had this conversation you know? before. The, probably yeah, particularly the people... when they're real new in their career. Yeah. But... Well, and there's one thing. That somehow is easier for me, I guess, to, to say like, oh, you're sure. real new. So let me teach you the basic ropes and here's the thing you can do. Um, but the thing that I has, I've struggled the most with in terms of helping people be successful or having people work with me successfully is people who are just like very authority, top down, you know, command and control in their mindset and just want to either either like you tell me what to do or you give me a very clear definition of the parameters and make it clear that like I am the single authority on this thing and they're kind of like oh let me let's share context and let's talk about the thing and what are we doing and you know bring up you're not mm -hmm. the czar of this thing but you get to drive a decision but you got to bring everyone in and da, 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 da. like people there are people who react extremely badly and not badly but just like don't do well in that kind of environment it stresses them out yeah it stresses them out yeah yeah and um, i do think i think that's there's the beginning where, where kendall brought up like someone who's really new and they just need to be told here are the steps you go through to kind of figure out what you what you need to do. But I am I'm, I'm kind of at the end of my career and I'm similarly like the, my, I just my job is to do these x things. Don't don't like force me to get involved in right things that are not about my job. I don't have time for this. I'm I'm focused on what I like to do and what I'm good at. Like I think there's a there's a different category of folks who are in there who are like, oh, I'm I'm done with caring about a company and the 
the, right. the greater world of that uh, it's it's about getting the job done and so that's, there, there's that's right. difficulty there too that's right and that that just absolutely is not my mindset i mean i i absolutely respect the hell out of you rachel if you, <laughs> you could do that i can't like even if i'm you know like either i care about it and i want to like pour myself into it and do it or i don't mm. care about it and then like oh my god i can't like motivate myself to get out of bed yeah and do so the, the actual specific um, job isn't interesting enough no matter what it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay um, well, we're so, getting, oh, Kendall, did you have more? You yeah, no, know, we're getting, we're getting up on time. So we have to shift gears to personal life here and just mm-hmm. tell us outside of, uh, work, um, what is your favorite thing to, to do in your spare time? And why is it ride fixed geared bikes with Kendall? <laughs> and try and grow a beard like Kendall. <laughs> and try, yeah, my beard, unfortunately, is inadequate. Yeah, I see you're, you I do. Do, you're stroking it and I feel bad because I always wanted to grow no, a beard. I'm just looking at Kendall over there and feeling, feeling inadequate. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty um, majestic, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. It is pretty majestic. Um, no, I do love riding bikes, including riding fixed gear bikes with Kendall. Um, so <laughs> have limited data points of having done that, but I think that's true. That's one, true. and it was fun. Equals um, one. No, I, I actually really do enjoy bicycles a lot. Uh, in my normal life, I commute around by bike. Um, I do like going out for other, you know, longer rides and things too. Both kind of combination of. I don't know. It's a kind of exercise that works for me. I like my body. I can't run. It hurts my legs. I just don't like it at all. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Bicycling mm-hmm. is somehow the opposite. I just I really enjoy the feeling of doing it, getting out, seeing stuff. I also like the mechanics of like bikes are cool machines, but they're simple enough that you can kind of understand what's going on and I'm trying to, I don't know that part. I find the aesthetics really appealing. So bikes, I love bikes. Um, I, I love food and cooking uh, is mm-hmm. a thing. I have less, less time for that these days because life and kids and stuff. Also fun fact, I, I sort of pre kids, actually, even before getting married, my wife and I built a wooden sailboat together. Um, oh, right. I remember this. Oh, was, uh, this. Yeah, this was actually, this was in the, that when Kapoof went Kapoof and I found myself, <laughs> um, you know, with six weeks or something, I found another job. I didn't start for a while. I was like, I don't mean to do my sailboat plans on the internet. And so yeah, that sounds um, really wise. I love, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we started building a wooden sailboat in the in the basement of our apartment that, needless to say, didn't have enough room, and you know, at some mm-hmm. point realized we couldn't fit the boat out the door if we did it in there. Hey, it was a whole journey. We can talk about it another time. But um, no, I, I is I, it done? Are you still building that sailboat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we sail. Well, done is a relative thing. I mean, especially a wooden boat is never you know it needs constant stuff. Mm-hmm. But the boat is sitting on a trailer in a garage in Maine. We actually haven't taken it out in a few years. It's a bit of an undertaking to to get it out but um but wow. it certainly is a proud proud accomplishment but the, isn't like the building awesome. a sailboat in your basement thing kind of a metaphor generally and I, I remember i think it was this show called ncis where one of the people was doing that in their basement and it was kind of this place where they went to have long discussions about the meaning of life and why you know etc advance the plot etc uh, yeah well I, you- I haven't seen the show but it was it i mean this actually was kind of the genesis of my wife and i deciding to get married was like we finished this, we built the sailboat over a couple of years in the basement, borrowing other people's basements and garages and whatnot. And we did it and we launched it and we're like, wow, that was amazing. And like, we're a good team. We do good stuff we together. together. Let's, let's, yeah. 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 Let's, awesome. make babies. let's make babies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, we survived. I drilled a hole in her finger with a, with a drill. She had to get a tetanus shot and stuff. Like we got through that. It's all, 
you know, yeah. amazing. Manage the crisis. Yeah, I, I didn't. I did not know about this story at all. Maybe you've told me, and I and I don't remember. But that's fascinating. I can't remember when well, we talked about this, but I remember you saying something about doing this, and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of NCIS. I, I remember that's that at the interesting. time. <laughs> well, we have to we have to wrap up for time's sake, Eli. But uh, if others want to find you, come work for you at Jellyfish, and or uh, you know, ask you follow up questions about all the things that you're doing. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, I don't have a whole ton of internet presence, honestly. You can find me on LinkedIn. Look up Eli Daniel. Um, I'm there. I think I have a Twitter account that I created for some reason once, but I literally have not followed anybody. And so not even Luke. You. No, <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, so good luck finding me there. But no, hit hit, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, I am. I'm around on the Rand's Leadership Slack. That's how I know these two uh -huh. fine people. Um, so that is. Okay, well, thanks so much for being here, Eli.